Before we get going with today's podcast, I just want to jump on here for a second and personally invite you to a one-off brand new masterclass that I am hosting on Thursday the 16th of May. How to scale your online business to six figures and beyond. So if you are a course creator, a membership owner or a coach, then this is for you. I'm sharing with you my most effective strategies to become the go-to person in your industry and grow your online business. I will cover how to build your audience, how to craft an irresistible offer and how to master your launch strategy so that you will know the most effective way to grow your audience and build your email list fast, know how to craft an offer that your audience will love and create a launch that fits with you and enables you to sell with ease. And why should you come and listen to me? Well, I started doing this almost 10 years ago and the very first client I worked with back in 2016 I helped him launch his very first membership he had a done for you product and a one-to-one product and we created a membership in his first launch he got a hundred and thirty members bringing him in about sixty thousand in income every year now He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast episode 213. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast and I'm your host, Teresa Heathwaring. If you're a marketer, business owner or entrepreneur that is frustrated and overwhelmed with all the constant changes in digital marketing and social media, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each week, I share with you easy, insightful and actionable steps that you can use to grow your business. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. How are things? We are, what, in the middle of, no, nearly at the end of October. Oh my goodness. Is it really old of me to say that doesn't time fly? I think I think that's definitely stuff that I would have heard my parents say. So um, I probably won't be saying that again, but it does though, doesn't it? It just goes so fast. So, so fast. But we won't dwindle on that for any longer. <laughs> and talking of feeling old, I decided, now I decided by the time you listen to this, hopefully I'd have done a few by then. I've decided I've got to do reels. Now I really didn't want to do reels. I really don't want to look stupid. And I know the pointy things really help. And I know the lip syncing stuff are very entertaining. And I do think sometimes I can be quite funny, but I just really didn't want to do reels. But I've changed my mind. I think I've got to, and I'm really interested in future weeks to talk about this and talk about how I've done them, what I think of them, because it's really important to me to make it authentic. I don't know about you, but I have seen people do reels and I've thought, oh, well, one, it's made me feel a bit funny. And two, I've thought that's not you. That's that's not what you would do. So I had some training with a very lovely lady and who does reels and we talked about it. And I said, I want it to be authentic. I want it to look like me and what I would do. And what I then did was kind of come up with some, these are things that I would say or behave or my thoughts. And we then thought about how could we turn them into reels rather than looking at the reels and going, how can I make that work for my business? So I'm kind of like semi-excited, semi-nervous, 
semi-cringing about the fact that I'm doing reels, but it's a thing. I'm now doing reels. We'll see how it goes. I mean, by the time this episode comes out, I might have given up already. You just don't know. So if you don't follow me on Insta, do come and follow me and come and see how cringe I could look. There is going to be a pointing one. I know there is. I've got to. I've got to do it. And I will hate myself for every point I point, but we're going to do it anyway. Anyway, enough of me pointing reels. We're going to be talking today about selling and about getting some more sales and getting more customers and clients and how we should use social media in order to do that. Now, the reason I wanted to do this episode was because running after sort of schools went back and summer was really hard on a lot of small businesses. They really struggled with getting sales. And I think generally because the world is a little bit mad at times, I don't know any better or grown up way to describe it. I just think it's it's meant that for business, it's been really hard. And although I am very much into let me motivate you and inspire you and like, you know, G you up. I'm also very real in the sense of it's been hard and I'm not going to be like, yeah, but never mind, pat yourself on the back, get going. Like, because it's not always as easy as that. So I just want to acknowledge it and recognize it. But what I want us to do is look at what we can do to take action. Now, the first thing I want to talk about when it comes to struggling and needing sales or customers or clients. Now, we're not, we don't ever not need them. We always want them. But you know, those times where you're like, holy moly, I think I'm going to be sick because there is literally no money coming through the door or that client's just decided they're finishing or these customers aren't buying. I've put this thing out there and no one's buying. It's horrible. It is it's really bad from so many reasons. The stuff our brain tells us is not nice. It starts saying stuff like, well, who the hell did you think you were to do that thing? Because obviously you weren't going to be successful at that. And it tells you that you're stupid and you don't know what you're talking about. And people pretend to like you and they don't really like you and they're not going to buy your stuff from you. And everyone's going to laugh at you and your friends and your family are going to be like, no, stupid so-and-so thinking she could do this. And then you decide that your worth and your knowledge is directly attached to how much someone pays you or if they pay you. So then what happens is, and I've had this with students of the 90 day program, is when they are struggling to get clients or customers, they're like, well, I'm obviously no good. Well, are you though? Like, are are you good at what you do? Because if you're relying on someone else waiting to validate that, then that's no good, is it? Like, we we can't only think we're good when someone buys from us and then think we're dreadful when they don't. So our brain kicks us while we're down and tells us all these horrible things and all these things. And then you panic about the money. Like, I'm not even going to pretend that that is not real panic and not valid. Like, you need money. We all need money. And therefore not having it is a serious, serious worry. Now, obviously I am not a money expert. And if you do have issues, then, you know, maybe I'm not the person to be giving you advice on this and you might want to take proper advice from a real money expert. But I'm just saying that, you know, from a business point of view, when you're struggling to get clients and sales, I know what it's like and I know how it can feel and how horrible it is. So what I want to do today is I want to talk some practical ways about how can we try and get some more sales and customers and using social media and that sort of thing. But before I talk about that, I actually want to address the fact that our brain is doing that thing. And this is only because I've been through this and I've worked through this that I feel like I can talk about it. So when you're in that moment of, holy crap, I need a client or 
the inquiries have dried up or people aren't walking through the door, you go into panic. And like I said, I am not saying that is not a reasonable response because it absolutely is. However, what happens when we're in panic and when we're in fear is that we make really bad decisions. And we make decisions that we would never make if we weren't in that position. So what I want us to first think about is the fact of when we're panicking, we might do things that we ordinarily wouldn't do. And I have done these things. So I have taken on someone that I didn't want to take on doing a thing I didn't want to do. Now, if I wasn't in a position of I needed that money at that point, I would never have done that. Now, did it work out? No, of course it didn't work out. It bit me on the backside hard because I should never have taken taken it. But I was coming from fear. I was coming from panic going, oh, my word, I am a single parent and I run a house and I pay the mortgage and there is no one else earning money in this house but me. And if I don't bring home money, I literally don't have a house for my daughter and I to live in, let alone thinking about the food situation. So at that point, you know, you panic and you do things. So that's what I did. I took on a client that I didn't want and I said I could do something that I don't normally do and I regretted it immensely. Or you do things like you say, you go back and you instantly change your pricing and you lower it. Or you decide that that price that you increased a few months ago obviously isn't working and you drop it. Basically, we just make really bad decisions when we're coming from a place of fear. When we're coming from a place of fear, we don't think straight and we just panic. I've had members that have offered a service to their list that they don't do and they don't want to do, but they did because they suddenly thought, I need the money coming through the door. I've had people think that they need to go down a different route or pivot or whatever. And I've had people think that they need to get a job. And I totally understand that fear. I really do. I couldn't imagine like, oh, I couldn't imagine if I had to get a job. I know literally my stomach, uh, I just had a very visceral reaction to the thought of ever having to actually get a job, but I get it. But if we're coming from fear, we don't make good decisions. So the first thing I want you to think about is like, can we not be in panic mode? Now I know that's not easy. It's like, oh yeah, sure, Teresa, I'll just turn that off. Thanks very much. I know that. But panicking isn't changing anything. Being scared isn't changing anything. All it's doing is making you feel really uncomfortable and making this whole situation a lot harder. It doesn't change the fact that you've got no clients or you've not got as many sales coming in. It just literally makes you feel like rubbish. So that's the first thing. The second thing is when you think about doing something because you're thinking I need to get clients, I want you to try and pause and go, if I had the clients I needed or the money I needed, would I be doing this thing right now? Like, Would I be saying yes to working with someone I don't want to work with and doing a job that I don't want to do? No, of course I wouldn't be saying yes. And at that point, hopefully you might go, I know I'm scared and I know I'm nervous and I know I'm worried, but can I just hold off and ride this storm a little bit longer? Because I know ultimately making that decision is not going to be the right decision to make. So that's the other thing. Now, if you want to go a little bit woo, but I have to say this has really helped me many, many, many times is you tell yourself, what am I, What if I am exactly where I need to be right now? What if there is a very good reason for this at this point? Now, I'm not saying there is, okay? I'm not saying, and I'm not trying to belittle it. I'm not trying to go and be like, you know, oh no, this is a good thing that you've got no money and you've got to feed your kids. I'm definitely not saying that. But what I'm saying is 
if you thought about that and thought, you know, what if this was a good thing? What if I was where I need to be? What if I needed to lose those clients because another amazing one's going to come along? What if I needed to lose those clients to suddenly then free me up? And this is actually what happened to me, free me up to work more on my online business. And then ultimately I can move to my online business. What if, what if, like, I just want you just to like, play that story in your head. What if I haven't got these clients, but now I've got some free time? Yeah, granted, the money is very important, but, you know, is there a reason for it? Now, whether we think there is or whether we think we don't, it might just make us feel better. And ultimately, isn't that much nicer? Like, again, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change the fact of how things are, but just changing our mindset about it might just make us feel better and make us not make stupid decisions. So that was the first thing I wanted to talk about. And like I said, that's a really hard subject. And it's really hard for me to say that with the, I don't know, the kind of like understanding that I'm not belittling the situation because I've been there. If you're on my email list, you know, I sent an email a while back now, actually, about the fact of when I was starting the online business, I got to one Christmas and I thought, well, I thought that was it. I thought that well, I didn't think I didn't have the money to pay my credit card. My credit card needed paying and I didn't have the money. I didn't have anything coming in and I was fearful. Oh, and my credit card was like at the point where it was maxed. So it's not like I had any money on the credit card and I couldn't bring, I couldn't find the money to do the minimum payment. Now I have a very lovely husband and we live in a nice house and he has, you know, good money for what he does. However, I was very proud because I started this on my own and I stand on my own two feet and I wasn't willing to speak to my husband and say, holy moly, man, I need some help. So I really panicked and thank goodness I have some amazing business friends and people around me that were able to talk me off the ledge and give me that space and go, what if, and talk to me about this thing. So, and it worked out great and fine, but I didn't know that at the time. And I was literally having a heart attack, you know? So like I said, I'm not belittling this, but I'm just trying to, if I help you think about it differently and it just makes you feel a bit better, then surely that's got to be a good thing. Okay. Let's go on with some practical stuff now. We've talked about like the mindset and the thoughts and the woo-woo stuff. Let's talk about what can you actually do? Because that's the most important thing. Okay. Let's fix the mindset if we can, but then let's take some real action to actually try and get some customers through the door. So the first thing I want you to think about is doing some quick wins that you can. So some of the quick things that you can do is you can follow up with past proposals or past people that didn't buy from you. Even if they chose to go with someone else, even if they decided that your thing wasn't their thing, why not follow up with them and say, just want to check how you got on. Were you happy with that? Is there anything else you needed? Because what if they'd gone with someone else to do a service and actually they were rubbish and then they'd completely forgotten about you or thought, you know, you just go out of their radar and then you come back at the right time. So follow up on people that haven't bought from you, but inquired about buying from you. The next thing I want you to do is I want you to go to your existing customers. So people you are working with right now, and there's a number of things that you can do with those people. You can very simply ask them for a testimonial or a case study or a video or something. In fact, I've just recorded one not that long ago for the amazing Phil who edits the podcast from my podcast assistant. It's, uh, I will make sure, well, I won't make sure he puts it in the show notes because he doesn't do the show notes. The lovely Becky does the show notes. So she will put a link to his site so you can go check him out, but ask them for, so by the way, hang on, I need to clarify. 
I didn't do a testimonial because Phil is like panicking. He's got his sales. I just realized that the way I said that, like might have sounded like that. He just asked me. And in fact, he asked me ages ago and typical Teresa, I take a while to do these things. But yes, he was right to ask me for a testimonial because he is amazing. So let me just clarify that. He's probably going to edit this whole section out. Um, I'm joking anyway. So (laughs) dig yourself out of the hole, Teresa, that you've just somehow dug yourself. So yeah, so testimonials, go and ask them for a testimonial. The next thing you could do, and you might not want to do all these things, you might want to pick one of them or two of them. The next thing you could do is go and say to them, are you happy with what we're doing? And would you like more? Like if you bought that one thing, would you like to buy another thing? Or if you have this service, can I add on this service? Can we do a review? You might want to consider putting prices up for them. Like I have to say, there are lots of people out there who would say, yes, you must every so often. I was not comfortable doing that, especially in the early days, because some of my clients in the early days, they flip and saved my bacon. Like if they hadn't come on board and had me as providing a service for them, I literally wouldn't have a roof over my head. One of my clients paid me six months in advance. I'm really sorry, but I'm not the type of person to go, that's great. Now I'm putting your price up. Thanks very much. So that's not for me. I'm not saying don't do it. You could absolutely do it. The other thing to do with your existing customers is go to them and say, is there anybody that you could refer me to? Is there anybody that you know that would like my product or service that you could go and refer me to? And then the other thing that you could do is go to past customers and do similar stuff. So say to them, do they need anything else? Can they do you a testimonial? Do they know anybody that knows your products and services or needs your products and services? If you do something like, I've got some people in my world who do web design, I've got people who do coaching programs, like one-to-one stuff, and often like just saying a, a place has come available, because often these people work really far in advance. I know, like, especially with web design, when they get a project, they're busy on it for like a month or two. For me, I only take on, well, probably one a month now, not even that in some cases, 90-day people, because it's just too much time because it's one-to-one. So I don't take on many 90-day people because it's an intensive one-to-one thing. So, you know, when one comes to an end, in fact, I never market the 90-day program ever. Like maybe I should, I don't know. I just don't want too many people applying in case I get too busy. And like I said, I don't want that many people. But when one person comes to an end, which actually one, two are about to finish soon, then maybe I say, I've got a space. So you could do that. You could say, I have a space available. Then on a very simple terms is you could tell people today what you do and how they can buy from you. Because you know that on social media, we don't often sell as much as we should or could. Now, do I want you to sell on social media all day, every day? No, I don't. And in fact, I was looking at mine the other day and I was like, oh God, I hate that whole section of Instagram because it's just me saying, join the Academy or join Build My List or, and you know, I wish you, I wish by osmosis, you could all just realize how amazing my stuff is and then just go, oh, I'm just going to join and I don't ever have to sell. I'd really love that. Uh, If that could ever be a thing, please. Thank you. Yeah. So put on social media. This is what I do. Like I said, we get nervous to do that. And I don't want you to do that every day of every week because that would be boring content and no one would want to follow you or engage with you. But in the same breath, they also do need to know what you do and how to buy from you. And you need to make sure that it's obvious. You need to make sure that you are telling them, this is what I do. This is how I do it. And this is how you can pay me for that thing. So that's another thought. So 
those are kind of quick things that you could do today. Like you could send those emails today. You could follow up with those people. Oh, send an email to your email list saying, I've got a space available. Or did you know I do this? Do you want it? And be really explicit with it. Like use the language that is really direct and say, this is what I do. If you want to buy it, you can do this or book a call with me or whatever the process is. So those are the kind of things that you can do straight off the bat that you can basically go, yeah, done. I can do that today. There's a couple of things I want you to think about that are a little bit longer term, but still very useful. And if you don't do them, then you definitely should. So one thing I want you to think about with this, and this comes back to selling on social, is that it's all well and good saying on social media, this is the thing I do. But what's the process for them? Are you making it easy for them? So if I come to your social media and you're like, hey, I do this, and I think, oh, that sounds cool. I want to I want to get involved or I want to have that service. The process that I then take is that easy. So what I'd love to do is I'd love to have a link like just there that says, click this and do this thing. So telling me what is the next step. So let's say it's a service that I buy straight online, click this and buy this today. Click this and get access to it now. If it's a service that is a bit longer, it might be click this and book in a discovery call or click this and find out more. Where is that link then taking me? Because that's the other thing, like selling on social media is one thing, but you've got to send them somewhere else other than unless you're asking them to DM you, um, which again, that's perfectly valid. But where are you taking them? So are you taking them to your website or to a landing page or to a page that is a contact me or a booking form? Because if I've got to go searching for something, I am less likely to do that because we're all very busy and I want you to make it as very simple and as easy for me as possible. So if I click and you just take, so let's say, and I've, this has happened a million times, I see a product, someone's talking about a product, I click to go and look at the product and it takes me to a homepage. I'm not searching for that product. Like, no, I wanted to be on that product page to look at that particular product. So if I've got to go and look for it and some clothes adverts that come up and I can't think what the company is, but they do that all the time. And it's really frustrating because you see something like, oh, that's nice. I might buy that. And then you click and they take it to your homepage and you're like, I don't want to search for that thing. So are you taking them to the actual page that they need to be, or are you just taking them to homepage? If I get to your website, do you make it really obvious for me where I find out how I can work with you? So I think, she says, hang on, I'm checking because, you know, this is going to be a case of do as I say, not as I do. No, I'm fairly sure that mine does do this. Yes, I have a tab on my homepage that says work with Teresa. So really obviously, this is how you can work with me. And when you click on the work with Teresa, you've got three options, I think, she says. Again, I need to update this. One is uh, the Academy, where it just says learn more because it's closed, as in the doors are closed. One is the 90-day focus, and it does say learn more, but then that will go through to an application. And one is do you want me to speak for you? So you can see really easily there that these are the services I offer. These are the things I do. Now, granted, I should probably have built my list on there, but that's my fault. So are you making it obvious? Do you have a, hey, they can work with you or a services page? Do you have a product pages? And if so, when you send a link, is it going to that direct product page? That's the that's one of the things to think about is where are you actually sending people? The other thing to think about is how is that page? Like, so I have put a lot of work and time into sales pages. I hate calling them sales pages, but they are sales pages. And about the kind of psychology around it and what needs to go on it. I ha actually have a download, which you can uh, go and grab. I'll get Becky to put it in the show notes. That's how to create a highly converting sales page. And it talks about the key things that you need to put on a sales page. But again, 
are you convincing me when I get to that page as to why I need this thing or if it's for me? Because I need to identify quickly whether it's for me or not. If it's not, that's fine. I won't waste my time or your time. If it is, then I need to see that quickly. So are you sending them to the right places? Are they seeing the things that you need them to see? And then you can do other things like you can pivot but don't do it immediately and then suddenly send out an email. Like you can go, actually, is there another service I can offer? So let's say you are a freelance social media. Could you offer power hours? I hate the word power hours. I feel like we need a new word for that. But could you do that? Could you offer some training? Could you do a little online course? Like, is there other revenue streams that you could consider that? And and again, a web designer is a really good example, actually, or someone who works on product basis. So you get a product project base. So someone like a graphic designer that does branding, like it's really hard to, unless you are unflipping believable and people are willing to go on a wait list and then you've got your things booked up all year, it's really hard to know when that next sale's coming from. So having another thing that brings you in a bit of income could be really good. So at least, you know, some is coming in on a more retained basis. If you're a product-based company or business, then again, you might want to think about looking back at what's been selling well, what are you promoting? Can you cross-sell? Can you upsell? Can you bundle things up of ways to try and push your products in front of people? So yeah, so we were talking about the sales page. I got dig- I digress then. But yeah, so you might want to pivot into a different product. You might want to pivot into something else. You might want to look at doing a webinar and promoting something on the back of that. Again, I have a really good uh, freebie for webinars, uh, my webinar blueprint. If you want to go and have a look at that, I will get Becky to link up to that in the show notes. I think it's trezeethrowing.com forward slash blueprint, but the link will be there. So yeah, like there's lots of things you can do. But like I said, the key thing here is don't panic. Think about the change you're going to make or the thing you want to do and think about, actually, would I do that if I wasn't in this position right now? And if it's a no, then I would just give it another thought. I'm not saying don't do it because sometimes we need to take slightly crazy measures, but I'm just saying at least think about it because inevitably when I've lowered my prices or taken on something that I didn't want to do or didn't want to work with, it has always bitten me in the backside. So it's never really worked the way I needed it to work. So it might have helped me for that month, maybe, while then someone else came on board, but it never really panned out. So I really hope this has given you just a few ideas, given you a different way to think about it. It's horrible. It is horrible. I've got nothing else to say other than that. It's not nice when you're in that position. It's not nice when you are trying to sell something and it doesn't sell and it does make you feel like, well, there's obviously something wrong with me but there isn't. There are many reasons why people don't buy from us. And probably most of them don't have anything to do with us. You know, they've changed their mind. They don't have the money. Now isn't the right time. Loads of reasons. So try really hard not to let it cloud your judgment and affect the way you feel. Although, like I said, I'm not stupid. It's hard. It's really hard. Okay. I'm going to leave you there. I feel like that was really like, oh, that went a bit heavy then, didn't it? Um, <laughs> let's lighten things up. Um, no. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go. I'll be back next week with an interview. I've spent a few days batching all brand new interviews. So brand new, it's not like I repeat the others, but as in, because I batch, I haven't done interviews for ages. So I'm excited to bring you some of them starting next week. Okay, guys, have a lovely week. And if you happen to be in and around your app and you stumble on the review thing and you want to hit five stars and say, she's all right and knows what she's talking about and is vaguely entertaining, then please do that. I would appreciate it greatly. 
Until then, I will see you next week. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then I would love it so very much if you were happy enough to head over to iTunes and give me a review. 